I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome everybody. I hope you can hear me. I'm using a microphone, so I may have clicked the wrong box. Let me know if you can't hear me. Um, welcome to Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel live broadcast. Today we are talking to the most excellent coach and physio, Tim Piggott from HP3 Coaching. Woohoo! Hi, Tim. Hi. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about today what to do in the last couple of weeks before an ultra, because me and Tim have both got the Ultra Trail Snowdonia coming up on the 13th of May, which is two weeks away ish 10 days and i'm doing the 50k no yeah <laughs> it's not even that now i'm doing the 50k and tim is doing the 100k and you've got a few clients as well haven't you yeah i've got quite a big 50. team going it's going to be good yeah so it's going to be really cool we'll be covering training tapering fueling injuries packing your kit and your fuel and your mandatory kit as well um so yeah how are you personally doing pre-race tim yeah, I think I'm all good. Um, I've recceed the entire course, so I know every every bit of it, which is awesome. always useful. Um, and if anybody is doing these races uh, and, and you haven't been able to been able to get there to recce, uh, I have actually created a few 3D fly-throughs, so they're on my my YouTube channel. Uh, there's nothing fancy about them. I just did them using the the OS mapping uh, for for my athletes that are racing. Uh, but it's useful, you know, I, last night I was on the treadmill and just watching the fly-through and you literally just visualise every twist and turn, so you know exactly what's coming up. It's so uh, useful. Yeah. I've literally just been watching that myself, so um, yeah, thank you so much for that and I'll put a link to those in the podcast show notes or the uh, film description below. So yeah, no worries. I mean, like I said, they're, they're nothing fancy. Um, I haven't sort of edited them in any clever way. Uh, they are quite simply the raw 3D fly-throughs, but it just, again, helps you visualise the course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, training's, training's gone reasonably well. You know, again, we're getting a lot of the messages. And, you know, some of your patrons have sent messages in about that sort of final prep and have I done enough training? And I know you, you were asking exactly the same question to me. You know, have I done enough training for this? And the short answer is you can never do it. <laughs> and it's far better that you stand on that start line rested healthy fit then you try and cram the last little bit in or you try and do an extra an extra run and you end up being sore injured sick whatever it's going to be um, so it's normal to be feeling nervous at this stage uh, it's normal to be maybe starting to question have i done it but it's important to then at this moment kind of reflect back on the last you know three six months or so and just say, well, what have I done? What has gone well? And really kind of pick out some of those key training sessions that have gone really well and, and give yourself that confidence boost that, you know, you can do this. So, you know, like yourself, you, you did a marathon. Was it last weekend? Yeah. Uh, not just recently, but the one before that. Yeah. You, you can before yeah. that. Yeah. So, you know, you can just reflect back on that and go, well, 
you know, I've just done a marathon. I've done, you know, 42K. Now, I know that was a flat marathon, but it's still, it's still time on feet, isn't it? Um, and you could argue that actually a flat marathon is going to be probably harder in some respects than Snowdonia. You know, Snowdonia is going to be it's mostly hiking. Let's yeah. Be there's not a lot of running. And yeah. in 50K, there's really not a lot of running. You know, you've got the section from uh, Penny Pass um, down to the next checkpoint. Um, I'm, I'm not going to butcher the Welsh, the, the farm, um, <laughs> where you've got a nice track you can run down. But apart from that, yeah. there's a lot of hiking. Just hiking. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, it's a lot of hiking. Well, that's good. I'm taking my polls. There's been a big debate on the Facebook group about polls. Um, yeah. But I don't know if anybody else gets like this, but my planning has def my training has definitely got not gone to plan in terms of actual physical exercise, having the flu. Yeah. Then, so I've done 18 miles of the Manx Mountain Marathon, yeah. followed by a few days later, um, 13 miles of it. So they were good, like whole days out on the hill um, yeah. with lots of ascent, which was really great. Then I came back and I had a bit of a rest and then I did a flat marathon <laughs> which I was really pleased with um, and then since then I haven't really gone out and done like any runs because I was um, recovering from that I've done a lot of biking just yeah. not hardcore just like taking Finley to nursery and to Burley and stuff like six miles five miles and I've done um, a couple of strength classes mm. and um, I'm planning to just go out with all my kit for the race on either Thursday or Friday this week and just hike up some hills like not anything super yeah. intense but just go to like Leicester there's Bradgate Park there and just hike up this 120 meter hill just maybe like a few times yeah. nothing like not sprinting down it or like not like beasting myself but just to sort of get my head in that sort of mind frame and just test what choices I've made for my kit maybe take a couple of extra different bits with me and see just mm. see if my final choices are okay. Yeah, that's it. You know, there's uh, we had a, a quick chat just before we went on air about the, the kit list, and obviously for a mountain event like this, there is a fairly substantial kit list, uh, and you need to make sure that you've got the right kit. So you know, we're we've still got enough time to go shopping if if you need to. So you know, at this stage, it's worth getting all your kit out, laying it out, making sure everything's still good. You know, you haven't forgotten that you've got a tear in your waterproof trousers or something like that. Um, making sure that you know, your, your head torches are working, you don't need to replace batteries or anything like that. Um, you know, download the GPX files and make sure that all uploads. But yeah, pack your, your kit and make sure that in your, your race vest that you're happy with where things need to go. So that when you're in the race, you know exactly which pocket X, Y or Z item is. Um, you talked about using poles. So, you know, if you haven't been using poles a lot recently in training, then you, you've got to make sure that you're you're putting a few runs in now to, to make sure that you're drilled in terms of how to get your poles out, how to put your poles away nice and quickly so that you're not wasting time faffing trying to get your poles out and then faffing trying to put them away again. So just, you know, if you're going to go and do some, some hill reps, that's an ideal opportunity because you're going to be taking your poles out and putting them away again. You know, it might be half a dozen times or more. So really just drill that technique um, so that you just don't have to stop and faff with anything. We've talked about this before, haven't we, with sort of aid stations and, and other things within ultramarathons. And you can save a lot of time or you can lose a lot of time if you're not drilled with those kind of techniques. Yeah, definitely. Um, on my marathon the other weekend, I actually overtook a friend because she went to the loo and stopped at a checkpoint and I just overtook her at that point. She caught me up, but <laughs> I felt pretty good for a good few miles. <laughs> I was like, yes, uh, Tim would be proud of me. Be on the go, don't stop, just Yeah. And um, if your training hasn't quite gone to plan, like mine hasn't definitely not gone to plan, I am tempted to like cram in a bit of training last minute. Is that a definite no-no? You, you literally cannot make any increase in fitness in the last one to two weeks before the race, am I right? Not at all, not at all. So there's no point trying to put that extra run in. Um, you know, all, this, all you're gonna do is create fatigue so that you end up standing on that start line more tired than you could have been. You're yeah. not gonna make yourself any fitter. Um, 
in terms of, you know, could you boost your confidence by going to do a bigger run? All right, maybe you could boost your confidence, but then all that's going to happen is you're going to turn up on the race more tired, fatigued, sore than you could have been otherwise. So, yeah. you know, if you've, if you've missed training, you've missed training, it's gone. There's nothing you can do to change that. Yeah. Or get yourself fitter for the race day. All you can do is get yourself in a really good place for that start line. Yeah. So just follow the normal plan. So yeah. I can go and do those hill reps just out of confidence and like like where my stuff is and like yeah. wearing all the kit, yeah. but it won't be like a training session. It'll be a confidence well, boost, just a practice session. session. But you know you don't need to be doing more than I mean this weekend. You know I wouldn't be doing more than two hours. Yeah. If you think about you know what your you know what your flat marathon was. You know, that gave you good time on feet. Mm. Yeah, I've okay. had three good times on feet, definitely. Exactly. So I'm pleased with that. Exactly. And again, you know, the Manx Marathon, uh, you know, in the mountains there, you had good time on feet. And that's that's what's more important. Yeah. So you've done that. You don't need to go and do extra distance. So again, it's, you know, it's very common that people are in these, these kind of final couple of weeks. It's the weekend before. You think, oh, I'll just squeeze in one more long run. All that's gonna all it's gonna do is leave you tired. So leave it. Believe in what you've done in the previous, you know, previous three months. Look look back and, and see the, the bigger runs that you have done. And yeah. they will be there. Yeah. So believe in yourself and, and trust in yourself there. Yeah. And just say to yourself it, it's a hike, it's not a run. Like that really helps psychologically for me to make it yeah, seem absolutely. more doable. Yeah. Um, not even hiking. I do have a question from one of my patrons, Conleth, about tapering because um, he says that um, he wants to know your suggestions for tapering without losing the intensity of the training um, yeah. because he says he doesn't really taper because the last few times that he has, he, it's made him really lethargic on race day and even yeah. disinterested in running, he says. Yeah, he yeah. says it's really weird, but if he only takes one or two days off in the week before, he feels much better. Um, yeah. And for your information, he's a back of the pack runner. So what would you say about that then? Yeah, so tapering is somewhat of a personal thing you need to experiment and, and see what works for you so with the kind of endurance and the longer endurance stuff that we're doing here we don't need a massive taper mm. um, the kind of the science behind tapering is kind of largely born out of um, well the 70s and trying to flush out drugs from your system oh. <laughs> so really a, a three-week taper was was more about flushing drugs out your system before the the testers came around on race day oh. um and also it was born out of a lot of the kind of very short sprint um events where actually you know for example in the pool people were still putting huge amounts of volume in uh, so needed to recover from that vast amount of volume in order to then perform sprinting lots so our knowledge of tapering, that kind of traditional three-week taper, pretty much out the window. Um, so, I mean, we're now, well, we're less than two weeks away from Snowdonia, but if I kind of step back a little bit, generally what I would be looking at is, you know, your last big block of training is around about three weeks out. So your last big long run is, is three weeks out because it takes three weeks to kind of absorb and realize that fitness so that will then feed. Oh. so i've accidentally done that then with exactly. doing that marathon exactly. ah. Yeah. ah well done me <laughs> uh, it's, it's all good um and then what you want to be doing is sort of scrubbing that fatigue so having a really easy week after that last session three weeks out so, i'm doing uh, so well <laughs> so you kind of recover you get really fresh and then you start to lift it back up again so this week for example I'm doing a little bit more and I'm going to end up doing more training this week than I did last week. Mm -hmm. And then yes, then you're just looking at anything between maybe a six and 10 day, just slowly tapering it back down again. Um, so you maybe your last really high intensity, so I was doing hill reps and then a double session with a, a tread hill, so running up hill on a treadmill um, wow. yesterday. So sort of 10, 10 days out, really hard intensity sessions. And then it'll just start to um, taper down from there. And then, yeah, the week before the race, you might just need to take, you know, one or two extra easy days, um, but keep it ticking over. And of course, what you can do is maintain that intensity. So you might want to still keep some strides in there. You might still want to put some 
you know, two, three minute efforts in there just to keep the engine firing, have some, some cruise intervals or sort of aerobic intervals. So that might be kind of eight or 10 minutes, just a little bit of faster or some steadier hill efforts. But the volume comes right down. So that's where you get your recovery from. Because yes, if you just stop completely or, or really taper it right down, then yeah, your body just goes into rest and recovery mode. Uh, and things will feel sluggish, your legs will feel heavy. Um, so so yeah, absolutely. You know, If you found that you just need a few days of, of easy the week before, well yeah, that, that obviously works for you. Fantastic. Okay, well I hope that answers your question, Conleth. I think that you, you seem to have found your magic way of tapering. So that sounds really good, backed up by, by Tim's advice there. Um, and then um, Tim, you sent me something really interesting, um, which ties in with Arlene's question here about injury just prior, because a one good thing about like, but personally from not doing a ton of training is that I, I feel very uninjured, which is a good thing. Um, so I feel really uninjured. I did a strength class today and I did my physio exercises as well today. Um, okay. And I'm planning to just keep doing, keep doing those every day this week, just a little bit of physio exercises. Um, but if you do have an injury, like Arlene's saying here, she says, how do you know when an injury is bad enough that you should not go to the race in the first place? Mm-hmm. Is it just pre-race jitters? Um, and also she's asking about how to relax in the days before, especially if you don't sleep well. Mm. So yeah, two sides there. Let's let's tackle the, in, when is an injury bad enough? And I suppose here, it's like my flu as well. Like wh- when do you know if the flu, you know, an illness, as well as injury is bad enough so that you I probably shouldn't have been on that start line for the Manx Mountain Marathon but I wanted to make a film and it was a really nice day so I just thought well I'll go and see what I can do and at least it'll be a nice training run um so yeah I probably shouldn't have done that but it felt good to get out yeah it's it's a tricky one isn't it you know you put a lot of time and, and effort and energy into into turning up to a race and uh, uh, sometimes you do, you know, you, you get sick in the in the build up to it. You know, I've done that before. You know, travelled all the way over to Europe for a race, and you know, you, you pick up a cold in the days beforehand, and you know, you know, if you were back home, you shouldn't really be starting that race, but you try anyway, and nine times out of ten, it goes wrong, and you <laughs> finish. Um, so I think I suppose we do two different questions there. I think sort of the sickness one, you you do need to respect that a little bit more, and I think. The, everyone's awareness following sort of COVID and the impact of, of carrying a virus and, and exercising there and, and the risks involved with that. I think we're, we're far more savvy about that now than people maybe were a bit too blasé before thinking, oh, it's only a cold, oh, it's only the flu, and you can push on. Whereas actually, you know, if you if you push really hard when you are sick, you, you can do yourself some some serious damage and you know, particularly sort of cardiac problems. Um, or, or go into you know post viral fatigue, which again is you know, what we're seeing with with people with COVID and going into those sort of long COVID situations. So, you know, you do need to be very careful when it comes to if you are sick. Again, there's the the idea about you know, if it's above the neck, you can probably carry on. If it's below the neck, if it's on your chest, then you need to you need to leave it. Um, and yeah, so sometimes you know if you are sick in the build up to a race, you've got to take the sensible decision and. And, and not start. Um, the race will always be there. The mountains will always be there. You can come back next year as, as disappointing as that is, uh, and maybe just got to pivot and and find another event in in a few weeks' time. In terms of niggles and, and injuries, um, it is very common that in this phase we start getting those little aches, those little pains, those little niggles. Some of that is just because your body is in that kind of rest and recovery mode because the training's dropped down suddenly there is this time and energy that your body's got to start to deal with some of these little niggles um so you will sort of feel things a bit more obviously you might be getting a bit more anxious and you're kind of questioning and asking your body how am i feeling is this a niggle is it not um so you're kind of looking for things and therefore will notice it so it's very very common that we we feel these niggles um are they a full-on injury though uh, and that's that's the difficult thing to answer. Um, obviously, if in doubt, then you need to try and see a, um, a medical professional of some description, whether it's going to see your physio or uh, sports doc or, or other therapist, uh, and get some more objective information rather than you just trying to assess yourself. Um, 
I sent you a, a sort of an image of the, the sort of traffic light system that we use in, in sort of physio in particular of, you know, if you're feeling a little bit of pain, is that a, is that a bad thing? Um, when do you need to stop? And that was particularly the question um, from, who was it? Arlene, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, when, when is a pain enough that you need to stop completely or when can you just maybe carry on with a little bit of caution? Um, and generally speaking, we use that sort of pain scale, that sort of zero to 10, 10 being really bad pain, zero being nothing at all. Uh, and where do you kind of score that? So if you're saying, you know, my pain is, you know, less than four out of 10. So, you know, there's something there, but it's not really bad. It's not affecting the way I'm moving. I can still run, I can still do everything, but there's just something there then you're probably okay to continue. If that pain is kind of four, five, six out of 10, then, and maybe it's starting to affect the way you're training, maybe you, you can't run as much, you've had to reduce your volume down, maybe you're moving differently, you're trying to change your technique or you're guarding, then that's indicating that you, know, you can maybe, maybe carry on training, but racing's probably not a sensible thing to do. Um, and obviously, if it's more than that and it's you know, preventing you training, then that kind of answers the question that standing on the start line of a race really is not a sensible idea. Um, so so that's, I would be saying that sort of four out of 10 is your, your threshold. Uh, if it's more than that, then starting that race is probably not a sensible thing to do. If it's less than that, then you're probably okay. But you also need to consider what the rest of your season is looking like. You know, is this is this the pinnacle of your season that you've been working towards and how much are you willing to gamble? You know, if it is that low pain and you think, well, hold on, I, I can probably start this and, you know, it hasn't been getting worse in training. So maybe I can start and, and hopefully finish. But if this is not the pinnacle of your season or you've got other things coming up later on that you can just go, right, let's, let's just pivot my focus and I'll concentrate on ones in, you know, six weeks time, couple of months time, then maybe that is the more sensible thing to do. Yeah, yeah, that's really good advice. Um, yeah, I hope that answers your question, Ali. There was a little bit on how to relax before a race as well, but just before we get onto that, I've got a question from Tadej, who's just on the live chat, and he says, um, how long after you feel better from an illness is it okay to start training again? Because um, I think he may have had a cold or something, a flu or something. He says he's feeling good today and thinking of doing a short run tomorrow. That sounds pretty sensible, doesn't it? Like, just test the water? Yeah, so it depends on what type of illness, of course. Um, a good rule of thumb is when an athlete says they're ready to return to training, make them wait one more day. Ah. Uh, so if, if they're saying that they feel better today and planning on going for a run tomorrow, that sounds fairly sensible. Um, again, you know, if it has been a, you know, a bad virus and you've been ill for um, you know, maybe a week or so, then you'd probably be looking at a good five, ten days recovery. So you might be looking at another, you know, another few days if you if you've been out of action for uh, for a few days. So that probably fits in there. Yeah. It depends on the severity. You know, yeah. if you've missed just maybe a couple of days of training, you know, you just you say miss maybe two, two or three days of training. Um, you can then once you feel better, probably wait one more day, and then you and then you can ease back into training. Uh, just drop the the planned sessions down by sort of 50, 60 percent initially, and then and then build back into there. If you've been out of action for, for more than a week, um, then you're going to need basically the same amount of time to then ease back into training. So just think about whatever you don't just try and jump straight back into what your training plan would have been. Think about, right, let's just reduce that down. If you've been out of action for um, for a week, it might be just dropping it down to you know 50 to 75 percent and then slowly back up again. If you've been out of action for, for two weeks, you might be needing dropping down to maybe even less than 50% and then taking a good week to two weeks to slowly build back up again. Yeah, when I had my cold, um, I was kind of like teetering on the brink for a while and I had a really bad cough and I was just getting annoyed. So I just trained anyway. Um, and in hindsight, that was probably a terrible thing to do because after my 16 miler, I just got like a terrible flu then. Yeah. <laughs> I hope like aches and pains full, like in bed for three days, that kind of thing. And I, it was just really, really bad. And I was out for two weeks and then I didn't run for two weeks. Once yeah. I was better, I was sort of better. And then I was like, right, 
right, I'm not going to push it. And then I just did the Manx Mountain Marathon, 18 miles of it. Um, but I was, I feel like I was fully better by then, but it was just a bit of a shock to the system. Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and I just went slowly and just was a slow coach. Um, but I could definitely feel it um, that... I could feel the lack of training. I didn't feel ill anymore. Then when I got back um, after the marathon, um, I did a six-mile walk on the Tuesday after my marathon, mm. and I felt like I was going to get a cold again that evening. And that next day, I felt like I was going to get a cold. So I didn't, I didn't do any. I did um yeah. I think I went out and did like a four-mile walk the next day, and then by the Thursday, I was feeling like I was going to come get get a cold again. So I just thought, right, no back off now rest 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 so yeah. I, I feel like now I've got a bit more of a sense of how to gauge it in my body because I never really understood listen to your body in the past um I've just always just gone and done whatever but now I feel like I'm getting that concept of listening to your body and backing off that's it um you know you've got to remember you know your immune system is obviously taking a massive hit um and you've got to let it let it recharge but the other thing to to sort of bear in mind in terms of coming back into training is you know that's a, a key time for when people get injured because it's not that you're um you know a lot of injuries people think oh it's an overuse problem you know I've, I've done too much training and and that's why i've picked up an injury uh, whereas quite commonly actually it's under training in the sense that maybe you've had a break you know as you said there you know you you missed a few weeks because you were sick and then needed that time to recover so you've actually had a massive deload, so you've lost a load of fitness, which is why you can't then just jump straight back in at the same level of training you were doing previously. You've got to back it off again and then slowly build back up. Yeah, it takes ages, doesn't it? I just felt like I had a cold every week, um, yeah. like for one week of every month in this this year, I've been out with a cold, and it's really frustrating. But you just you can't really do anything about it apart from ease off and if you yeah. try and go full pelt then you're just going to make it worse that's what i've discovered this year Absolutely. <laughs> and as you're going to find you know young children are just a breeding <laughs> and yeah you'll just bounce from one to the other uh, for the next next few years at least yeah <laughs> lovely i don't know how people do it because i see like katie car saver staying out doing all her stuff and mm. and uh, sophie power she's absolutely incredible she's got yeah. three kids now and yeah. you know she did the utmb when her second kid was like breastfeeding still and i just don't know how she wasn't just completely tired and yeah. ill like <laughs> well you know the, these folks you know jasmine's another example isn't she yeah um they're, they're just superhuman yeah but then actually talking to jasmine just recently about her barkley she did go through a period of fatigue um in the autumn and winter this year and she had an injury as well Well, she had the acl which is like a reoccurring injury for her but she's she's yeah she isn't invincible but she gets up at five o'clock in the morning so no wonder she needed a bit more of a nap <laughs> it's incredible um, okay, so we've covered the injury side of things. Um, so yeah, so we've covered the training and how you sort of taper off for that, and we've covered the injury side of things. Um, so now that all that's really left, apart from that, is to just talk about what you're going to take with you, like your packing. Um, oh, oh, sorry, actually, Arlene did have a question, didn't she, about sleeping just prior? She said, "How do you oh, relax yeah, in, the, in the day before, especially yeah. if you can't sleep?" So we'll just do that before we talk about the kit side of things. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's, I mean, there's lots of strategies you can be using to to help you relax. Um, this question of you know why you're not sleeping? Are you you know are you going over in your head all the different things to, to do with the race. Um, and what you what you want to be doing for that is lists uh, are my sort of go-to there. You know, get everything written down. If it's written down and you ticked it off, you know you've done it. Uh, and if you wake up in the night and oh, I need to remember to do this, well, write it down. And then you're not going to forget and you can try and sort of go back to sleep again. Um, you know, use other, other relaxation strategies, you know, whether it's meditation, mindfulness, you know, there's loads of apps out there, you know, Headspace or Calm are two, two quite common ones. There's loads of stuff out there, obviously on, on YouTube or um, things like that. You know, try and try and do some of that, just that relaxation, that mindfulness, that meditation. Um, 
just go and have a, a walk and sometimes it's just this nervous energy that's building up or just get out and just go for a walk just a nice easy walk but that again will help calm things down just 20 30 minutes is enough just to you know just calm that down um in terms of you know getting getting worried in those last few days or you know the night before you know classically people don't really sleep particularly well the night before i mean for my race it starts at 5 a.m so you know, my alarm's going to be going off at 3 a.m. Am I going to get much sleep? Probably not. Um, so you can you can try and bank sleep in the in the, the period leading up to it, and that has been shown to to work actually. That you know, just go to bed a couple of hours earlier than you would normally do in those last you know, maybe sort of four or five days building up to the event. And even if you're just lying there, but even if you're not sleeping, you're lying there, you're resting, and that is that is boosting your your recovery. Um, and you. You know, despite what people say, you can bank sleep a little bit, and that will actually then improve your performance if you wait for the sleep deprivation period coming up. So, you know, hopefully for the 50k, um, you're not going to be running out of, of sleep. Um, certainly, you know, people doing the, the 100k and you know those people doing 100 milers, you know, you're going to be going through you know, at least one night. You know, for some of the 100 milers, you're going through two nights of no sleep. So trying to bank as much rest and sleep in that preceding week is really, really important. Um, but the more you worry about the fact you're not sleeping, the harder it is to sleep. So the best advice there is just not worry about actually sleeping. Mm-hmm. And the chances are you, you're actually sleeping more than you realize. Um, so just, just chill, relax, read a book, um, listen to some relaxing music, and you are going to be recharging. So, yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't matter that night. I always think it doesn't matter the night before you race. If even if you have zero sleep, it doesn't matter. You can get through one night, and unless you've got like a a, a hundred mile away, you're going to be then another two nights of sleep. That yeah. might be a bit of a bit more of a problem. But um, like I didn't sleep very well before my marathon. Mm-hmm. because uh, I didn't want to tell her this but my friend that I was sleeping in the same room as she she kind of very gently snored like the yeah. whole night and I couldn't get to sleep and then I, I probably got a few hours obviously but I had a really terrible night's sleep but I knew that it didn't matter because I've done these really long walks since I was a kid and I never used to sleep well in that school hall that we used to we used to just sleep in a village hall on a sleeping mat and you know when there was carry mats that were just these yeah. foam things it was always really uncomfortable Mr Skirma was always snoring away and 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 um, it was just really uncomfortable, and I I knew that I could I can do long distance after a very bad sleep. So, so yeah. So don't worry, everybody. Um, well, earplugs. Pack yeah, earplugs. I I did put my earplugs in, but they they really hurt. I think I need to get some smaller ones. I think I've got small ears. They just really really hurt, and it's worse than the noise. <laughs> um, uh, we just do have a comment from Hannah that's just come in on the Facebook page, and mm-hmm. she said um, she's just she's just this comment really she says it's um the last week of her taper she's just done the pennine barrier 270k she was yeah she was first lady there with her pair um and she said she ended up having a niggle um Mm. before the last week before she did the race so she ended up resting and she felt really rubbish about it but then the niggle didn't impact her race so she said that was really good yeah um, trail running Phil says on the live chat great to hear mindful running tips like this um, and Andrew is here as well and he uh, is popping in because he is doing the UTS 50k um, mm-hmm. the same as me uh, on the 13th so he's going to be watching the full video later so yeah hope that's helpful for you Andrew and we'll put those fly throughs up as well I've, I've just got the um, the link for the 50k fly through so I'll put all those up later um, but yeah, let's now talk about just the, the last stuff that you do, um, fueling, um, yeah, yeah, fueling before and then packing. So Jade says, uh, perfect timing, my longest race to date, the North Soundsway 50 mile is in two and a half weeks. Um, if I could ask anything, it would be what tips does Tim have for fueling in the days leading up to race day? Is it best to carb load, for example? And if so, how many days before? <laughs> You've probably answered this question tons in your time. <laughs> I think I, saw, I did see that message somewhere in the in the chat. Um, in terms of sort of carb loading, um, I wouldn't be trying to push the, the amount of carbs. Basically, you're going to be reducing your training down. Just carry on eating normally. So therefore, there will be more 
energy available because if you just keep eating normally if you're not training as much there's more energy for you to then store um, I mean there are carb loading protocols you can use um, however if you get it wrong you're going to end up with gastrointestinal distress so unless it's something you practiced and you know works well for you I wouldn't worry about trying to push loads of extra carbs in there um, you know, all that's going to happen is you're going to feel bloated you, with, as you take on more carbohydrate, you take on more water. So you're going to feel heavier, sluggish, your legs are going to feel heavy. Um, you might, you know, your belly not, might not be feeling brilliant. So don't be sort of pushing those extra, extra carbs. You know, the, the old school, just, you know, massive carb, you know, carbohydrate, your massive pasta parties the day before a race. Um, you're more likely to upset yourself than, than, have boundless energy on, on race day. Just eat normally. It, that is as simple as that. I mean, there are some some strategies where you know you can look to increase the percentages of your, your carbohydrate and do some you know some short high intensity efforts uh, in the in the days leading up to the race, uh, and then along with those very short you know might be literally a three minute max effort. And then you make sure you take more of the carbohydrate around that. That can push extra glycogen into your muscles, so that can be useful. Um, but it's going to be more useful for those sort of short intensity efforts. Obviously, what we're talking about here, you know, North Downs, North Downs 50, was it? Um, yes. The, yeah, North Downs Way 50, um, or like we're doing here with you know Ultra Chelsea. These are long events. So it's more about just letting your body rest and recover, eating normally. That's going to give you sufficient energy come race day. Um, I wouldn't be trying to smash extra extra carbs in the in the days beforehand. Um, it'd be more about looking to review your choice of carbohydrate. So in terms of in the in the last couple of days before the wreck, is just pick things which are less fibrous than maybe normal. So you start to shift over to your white rice, your white breads, things like that. So you're still getting the same carbohydrate as you would do normally, but without the fiber content, which is then gonna basically bung you up. Um, so that'd be maybe the kind of, one of the differences there. Um, in terms of, you know, the, the final days before a race, you know, there's, there's some research looking at choosing you know, products or carbohydrate products more based around rice than um, based on sort of oats and wheats in terms of reducing that gastrointestinal distress mm. and are racing really hard. Uh, that research largely comes from the cycling world um, and the sort of the, the tour stages that they're doing there. Um, so they they've certainly found that you know breakfasts based more on on rice uh, seem to be tolerated better than you know your traditional porridges and those type of things. Um, but again, it's, it's personal preference. You know, what you should have hopefully done by now is you know what kind of breakfast works well for you prior to your run. You know, you've done other races in the past and you know what breakfasts work well for you there. So that, that's kind of what you want to be focusing on. Uh, don't, yeah. don't be trying anything new. Don't be, you know, trying anything different. Octopus sandwich. <laughs> yeah, you know, people, you know, again, people kind of go to races and they eat something completely different beforehand. And then that ends up causing them problems. You know, if, if in doubt, if you've got a history of um, sort of gut upset in, in races, you know, try and self-cater before you race it. You know, if you're staying somewhere, um, try and try and organise your own food, take your own food with you so you know what you're getting uh, and you know that it's going to work for you. Mm. And I know I've interviewed um, quite a lot of athletes about their pre-race routines like the night before and I know Ricky Lightfoot's wears by a glass of red wine, just yep. he just finds it relaxes him and you know it's not got so much alcohol that you're going to you know be really hung over the next day but it just it just takes the edge off and just yep. you know it's kind of healthy isn't it red wine. Um, but I know that Vassos Alexander you know the um, Virgin yep. Radio uh, sports presenter, he makes it a thing to go abroad and do these races with his cousin and they always order something that they don't understand off the menu or that they have never tried before like and they end up eating yeah. like squid and octopus yeah. the night before a huge huge meal yeah. um and as yet it has not affected him so um but yeah. i i wouldn't really recommend that <laughs> uh, a cast iron stomach yeah. yeah i think he has got a cast iron stomach. it doesn't work for everybody <laughs> no. i mean some people there's also this you know it's not necessarily just the 
the physical aspects of, of what you're eating. Sometimes it's the psychological in terms of routine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, saying about um, you know the rookie and his glass of red wine. Um, I, I coached a, a chap for he was racing with for England, uh, and he had to go off and hide in his hotel room. <laughs> his pre-race ritual was three specific local beers from different breweries that he had to drink in that order before a race, the night before a race. And of course, he didn't want to sit there with the rest of the England team drinking these three beers. <laughs> he but, had to hide. He <laughs> did good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah, people get their own, their own little kind of rituals. Yeah, little rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I suppose the the final bit, well, actually, I think you should start doing this at least a week before, just in case you haven't got anything, but I've printed out the mandatory yes. list um, for the UTS, the Ultra Trail Snowdonia, because it's quite complicated in that they put all of the races along the top there. So you've That's got a tick box so that they can just write down everything here and then you've got a tick yes. box. So you have to make sure that you're in the right column for your race. Um, so I am going to be doing a packing film um, later this afternoon and hopefully that will go out on Monday um, with everything that I'm packing but I just sort of wanted to talk through like yes not only do you need the mandatory kit but I just feel like you have to have a sense of personal responsibility especially if the race is somewhere mountainous Um, like for example they don't say that you need um, waterproof trousers on the 50k race Mm. and I just think that should be mandatory and so therefore I will be taking my waterproof trousers Um, so yeah just because it's not on the kit list doesn't mean oh yeah I'll get away with not taking it you need to feel safe in yourself don't you yeah yeah you know we're going into the mountains and the weather can change unexpectedly so you know you need to look at the mountain weather information service um, uh, and get a, a very detailed weather forecast um, there's a lot of good information out there. You know, Adventure Smart, for example, you know, the mountain rescue teams are, are regularly posting that up. So making sure you are familiar with, with how to look after yourself in the mountains. So, you know, if you are picking events, you know, like Ultra Trail Snowdonia or, or other mountain type events, and maybe you're not overly familiar with, with being in the mountains, maybe you're coming more from the road or just a, a low level trail background. Um, and you need to develop your mountain craft, then yeah, certainly you need to be, you know, reviewing the kit list and really think about the, essentially the worst scenario. You know, what could go wrong? Yeah. Um, and when it comes to your kit, is you know, can you can you look after yourself? Yes, you're doing a race. Yes, it's an organised event. But if something goes wrong when you're up in the mountains, there's still going to be a long wait for help to arrive. Um, you know, if you go and sprain your ankle really badly or, you know, break your ankle even, uh, and you can't move, you're going to get cold very, very quickly, even in good weather. So, you know, we're waiting a couple of weeks, it's May. Um, the weather could be anything in May. We could have a heat wave or it could be snowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be both. <laughs> <laughs> in the same day, in within hours, yeah. Top of the mountain, bottom of the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to be prepared, um, and you know if something goes wrong, you could be waiting an hour or more for help yeah. to arrive. So you've got to be able to look after yourself. Um, so you know they say about taking a um, you know foil blanket or bivy bag. I mean a foil blanket is useless. Yeah, I it's said that to of... the organizer, and he said it's because it's part of the UTMB, and and he said yeah, um, he would always take a bag. Um, yeah, because you don't, you can't just hold a blanket around you, and then you don't have any. You know, you can't do your phone or whatever. You need to get inside a bag. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, we we saw this. Um, oh, it wasn't last year, was it? Was it the year before um, the Chinese event where? Oh God! Yeah, people so, died. Um, because you've got to have the kit to look after yourself. You know, if the weather suddenly turns and comes in. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would always say you take a bivy bag. I mean, I've been, mm. I've been in situations where I've, I've had to get in my bivy bag, um, and you, you very quickly warm back up again. Uh, yeah. Whereas a blanket would have been utterly, utterly useless. useless. Unless you've gaffer taped it into a bag, it's not useful. It's, it's not. You yeah. Do that. I would um, always, I would always pack as if it wasn't a race. Like pack as if 
like maybe not the food aspect and the water because you could you you're going to be hitting those checkpoints hopefully and that's not necessarily life or death to have water in britain where there are streams but just pack as if you're not on the race um, or, uh, with it uh, on the side of caution even if it's a bit heavier so, there. so you know there's a, a line between carrying so much kit that it actually becomes a problem mm-hmm. uh, so you know i fully envisage standing on that start line looking at some people's packs and thinking they're going hiking for a week <laughs> that'll be me <laughs> um, and i know they're going to look at me going you haven't got all the mandatory kits in there, but trust me, I will do. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I've, I've done this long enough that I know what I need to take and what I don't need to take. And uh, the more you do this, the more you realise you don't need as much as, as you think you do. However, you've got to think about what the weather conditions are like. So, you know, I've got essentially plan A and plan B, depending on, you know, is it standard weather or is it going to be either the hot or the, the cold weather kit? Yeah. Um, and, you know, if it is going to be very bad weather, it's worth sticking that extra jacket in there whether it's taking your down jacket uh whether it's taking an extra mid layer um taking an extra waterproof even and you know you double waterproof to to stay warm um so i mean i'll be doing that anyway i'll be taking a windproof and a waterproof yeah yeah that's really handy a windproof is so light but you get so much warmth from it and then you can just use that as like a mid layer and put your waterproof over the top Um, my, my windproof is um, technically it's waterproof but it won't pass check so my waterproof is there for if it really is horrendous and then the waterproof goes on but otherwise I'll be just using my uh, so improve well it's not yeah. waterproof but it's not but it's not real um, yeah. so but yeah it's, you know go through your kit list see you know see what you're carrying and we talked a bit about this before when we were chatting about the spine race and um, think so again you know look back at our, our chats about kit for the spine race. in terms of you know are you taking your lightest item of, of clothing or are you taking something that's maybe a bit heavier that you don't need um you know look at layering is it better to take maybe two items of of clothing rather than one big heavier item of clothing um again have plan a and plan b you know you've got your lightweight waterproof your running waterproof if the weather is you know standard in snowdonia but if we end up like with weather that they had last year, where you know it was bad, are you better taking your heavier uh, mountain waterproof jacket? You know, maybe more of a hiking type jacket because that is going to keep you warm. And if you're warm, you're going to keep moving. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so you need to sort of, if you're travelling the day before the race, you need to sort of have them all in your bag, and then yeah. that night before, have a look at the weather and just pack accordingly. Like make some adjustments. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll you know I'll be going down to Lamberis with sort of three or if not even four different options of, of what kit I'll be wearing on the day, what kit I'll be taking, um, and you make that decision because. You can look at the weather forecast, you know, people are doing it now. If you look at the Facebook group for races, people are looking at the weather forecast. There's no point looking at it. It's going to change. <laughs> yeah, there's no point looking at it. It'll be changing 24 hours out from the race. So you yeah. really want to be looking at the Mountain Weather Information Service, um, you know, 24 hours out from the race, and, and that will give you a, a reasonable idea of what it's going to be. Yeah. But it's different. And even then, it might still be completely different. <laughs> Um, I need to look at your films for the shoe choice as well. I need to look at a few um, actual race films for the shoe choice because I just I'm just not sure how grippy to go. I'm not sure if I if it's mainly on. Um, I don't know what the paths situation uh, is like. You yeah, can't tell so... from the map. So I've I've either got my Salomon Sense rides, which are like uh-huh. four mil kind of traily, or I could go for like Innovate X Talon Cross Talon yeah. Ultras, which yeah. don't fit me as well. Um, yeah. But I could go for them with a more Maybe aggressive grip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a tricky one, actually. So I think it really depends on how much rain we get instead yeah. of the next couple of weeks. So I was pretty convinced I was using my um, spin soft terrain, so um, Scarpa uh, spin soft terrain, which have got really big 7mm lugs. Wow. Because some of the some of the earlier recce's I was doing, the, the the soft ground, the boggy sections were, were really soft and boggy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was thinking, well, I, I really want this, this level of grip. The last couple of recce's I've done, it's dried right up. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I'm, I was then something, oh, maybe I'm going to use um, 
We've got a pair of the new Spin Planets, which have just got four mil lugs on them. Yes, there's a Scarpa uh, shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm sponsored by Scarpa. Um, so I, again, I think we've just got to see, I'll be going down with several pairs of shoes. Yeah. I'll be making that decision on for race day as to what the weather has been like over the previous few days. Um, the main thing is you've got to be wearing a pair of shoes that you know are comfortable. Yeah. Um, in terms of the the 50k, you know, you've got obviously going up Lamberis Path. You could do that on road shoes. You know, yeah, you that's my you problem. Do. I'm I'm gonna. I've looked at the route and I'm like I'm going up Snowdon via the Watkin Path and I'm like well, and then down it via the the um, the pig track like the lower pig track. Um, yeah, so like, you go up Lamberis down the pig track. Yeah, and all that I could do that in trainers. Or, yeah. or flip flops, actually. So, you know, you would do that in, in normal trail shoes, that's absolutely fine. Mm. But it's the bit after that. So, once you once you come down off Snowden for the second time, um, it's it's all grass underfoot, largely grass underfoot. Um, and there's some sort of boggier sections. So, if it has been raining a lot over the last couple of weeks, you might be grateful of the extra tread. So that's where, you know, your your innovates might come in. But if it doesn't, you know, I was up there uh, no, not last week, the week before. Um, and the ground was, was pretty smooth, you know, it's you didn't need much in the way of tread at all. So it really depends on what the weather's been doing. Yeah, it really does depend, doesn't it? I'm going to take a few pairs down there. Um, I just have this perennial problem that no, I haven't found a comfy shoe yet that will do me without giving me blisters in some form. So that's really annoying. But I'll take my K tape and and patch myself up. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's looking at your sock choice. It's looking at your, uh, you know, your insole. Looking at the shoe itself. Yes, using the the tape. Um, so sort of taping any any hot spots in advance. Um, do you need to be using, you know, lubricant of, of some description? Um, you know, common ones are things like sort of Gurney Goo or um, Sidas do their, their, their um, foot creams and things like that. So um, there's there's different options out there. Um, but again, you want to be try, you know trying this in in training to know yeah. what works for. Yeah, it's the trouble is tra trying it in training. I can manage, you know, like three hours four four mm. six even six hours i can manage that and you know then recover from whatever blisters it took um that were sort of forming but i know there's a 14 hour cutoff for this and i may well be using all 14 of those hours so it's like double what i'm used to so i just yeah. i don't know whether if there's a drop bag point i don't know whether to put a different pair of shoes in there just in case <laughs> I'm not sure if there's a drop bag for the 50k. I don't think that there is. I don't think there is. But yeah, I'm just really torn. I spent the whole of last year testing shoes in the hope of finding uh, the perfect shoe, and I still haven't found the perfect shoe. So I think I'm going to have to just make the perfect shoe out of um, a hybrid of something cobbled together. Because like I love the ultra wide stuff, but the grip just wears down immediately. It's not got a good aggressive sole uh, at all. So even if I put an insole in that to not make them zero drop, then I still got that problem. Um, so. I've just been sent a pair of Salomon Sense rides and they're actually really comfy. It's the first time that I found a Salomon shoe wide enough to fit my um, my feet. And I've just slipped on the cross talons and I could all innovate shoes sort of push my toes in too early and it's just really mm. annoying. Um, so I'm just not sure if I can go for those well, ones. Then, you know, the, the innovate last um, just isn't right for your foot shape. No, um, it's not anymore. It used to be. It used to be great. Yeah. It's, um, but, know you know, why. if you found the Salomon if that works for you then then great yeah um, i'm really surprised so, it's the first time a salomon shoes actually worked but I, but then i've only worn them for like five miles so far so that's another reason to go out on friday and run up and down some hills just to check that these shoes are going to be okay for 14 hours which they may well not hours. be <laughs> think about you know if you were to start getting blisters where do you normally get them and what to do about it yeah so think about if you put a plaster on where would you take and you do that before the race starts. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what I need to find out on Friday because so far yeah. they've been fine, but I just feel like it might start just like here yeah. under the ankle. So yeah, I'll see where I need to put it. Yeah, I might also draw the GP on my arm. I'm thinking about that. I don't know if that will be a, a good idea if I'm wearing a t-shirt. 
and I thought I might uh, write all the cutoffs down on the GP, like not on my arm, but maybe on a piece of paper. Write all the yeah, cutoffs down so, according to the GP, and then write down what. Then have a think about what food I might need when. Um, yes. uh, so that I sort of pack it into sort of little, like in little plastic bags. Like I might need this for this hour, this for the next hour, this for up this hill, or you know, like put it in four different little bags. Maybe I don't know whether that. Would yeah, be a good so plan. that's what I I generally do. So oh. I'll have little flashcards. Um, so for sort of big race, um, I'll have laminated flashcards. Have that you done them already? Um, not for not for Snowdonia yet, no. But if you you can probably put a link to, I'll send you a, a, a um, web, um, yeah, a link uh, onto my blog <laughs> for kind of. Uh, <laughs> sorry, get my words out there. I mean, it's lunchtime. <laughs> um, uh, a link to kind of a blog that I did on. You know, preparing for a race, and if you particularly can't get there, is all the different things you can do. Yeah. But certainly, one of the things is you can produce some sort of flashcards, so some you know some reminders about what you need to be thinking about at certain sections. Just chunking the race into into different sections, chunking it, uh, which is a good um, sports psychology technique as well. Just chunking the race up. Yeah. So you're only focusing on that 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 one flashcard in front of you for the next you know maybe a couple of hours or the next you know few miles or whatever it might be. And yes, writing down on that, you know, what my nutrition should be for this section. So, you know, I know that between uh, the start and for me going to, to Penny Pass, I need to be drinking this. I need to be thinking about that. I'm expecting to hit the top of, well, not quite the top of Snowden, the, the finger post at this time. I'm expecting to then get down to Penny Pass at this time. I need to refill with, with this product. And then heading up on the next climb, I'm going to be doing it. So it's all kind yeah. of out. Yeah. All my little brain needs to think about in the moment is that short section in front of me. Yeah. I don't need to worry about the, the long, long miles ahead. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the next few miles. Uh, yeah. And then it's kind of get rid of that flashcard, move on to the next one. This is what I'm thinking about now. Yeah. I find that kind of stuff quite fun to do like I you know like when you go traveling I like putting my shampoo in all the tiny bottles you know like you get tiny bottles for everything and you make everything tiny so that it's less weight I like all this kind of prep and planning and I'm really looking forward to this afternoon because this I've wait I've earmarked this afternoon for packing and making those little flashcards and then I'm going to film it as a like a packing video to help other people um, yeah. so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to doing this bit it's quite anal isn't it but <laughs> it really appeals <laughs> I mean, um, Josephine Perry, jo Josie Perry, the sports psychologist, um, have a look at her website. She's got a lot of really good free resources there uh, on her social media as well. Um, she does a lot around sort of things like preparing for marathons. But, you know, get your gels that you're going to be using at different sections, stick some tape on it and write yourself some notes. Oh, yeah. uh, or she gets other people, she gets her daughter to write notes oh, on the gels. Yeah. When she pulls out her gels, she's then got something, something there to kind of, give her a bit of meaning for this next section uh, and a bit of extra motivation in there so you can do yeah. things like that as well yeah. so um yeah whether, whether i'll be doing flashcards for for uts probably not actually probably what i'm going to do is actually just write on uh, my my gel so I, i'll basically pick that up and say right this gel is for the next hour in the next hour i'm climbing this i've got you know this elevation to do I'm looking for these particular landmarks. It might be a case of, I know, right, there's, if I need to pick up some extra water, there's a stream in here. Uh, or if it is really hot, there's going to be a stream here. I can splash water on my arms and cool down. Um, might be little reminders of, of things from, from the reckeys that will just kind of, again, just help me stay focused in the moment uh, of what I'm looking for. You know, things like, right, there's this scramble section coming up. You know, remember to put your poles away before you're scrambling up this this tricky rock climb, um, those type of things. Um, there were actually rock climbs on the 50, the one <laughs> That's a shame, I like that. Um, so you're doing the 100k, how yes. long do you expect that to take you? And uh, and for that reason, will you be like putting a bit of salty food in? Trail running Phil's just asking, will you use like salty actual food or will you okay. use salt tablets and sticks? Yeah, so um, again, I've got a relationship with precision hydration, well, precision fuel and hydration. As they are now. Um, so yeah, so I'll be using pH and fuel. Yeah, whatever they're calling themselves now. Um, I still just call them pH, precision hydration. So yeah, I'll be using their their salts, their electrolytes. So I use their thousand milligrams um, in in my water. So I'll be carrying sachets of that to add into my water. So give electrolytes there. 
And uh, how long do you reckon that the 100k, how long do you plan for it to take if everything goes to plan? Uh, depends what the weather. That's a really tricky one, actually. So I know if the weather is good, based on all my recce's, I know what I'm potentially capable of. Um, but it all depends on the weather. That could just go straight out the window. Yeah. Uh, so I was just wondering if you'd complete it before I complete mine. <laughs> of half. That's my plan. 14 hours. It's getting close to that. Yeah. So you might be going twice as fast as me, like it, a proper elite athlete. It could, be, it could be close to that, yeah. I mean, they're expecting the fastest runners to be doing it in about 13 hours. Um, wow. I'm not going to be that fast. Um, but I would hope to be somewhere up there. Yeah. Uh, depends on what the weather's doing. Yeah. Um, so you'll be finishing, if you're starting at 5am, you'll be finishing like in the, before it gets dark, will you, with that? Yeah, that, that's yeah. the point. So, yeah, that's so finished before it gets dark. The hope is my head torch won't come out the bag. Yes, yeah, your two head torches <laughs> plus spare batteries. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Uh, well, I'll probably be coming at, in at two a.m. because I don't think I'll start till eight, and we've got fourteen hours for it. So I don't, I haven't calculated when that will be, but <laughs> probably be at the small hours of the morning or something like that. <laughs> I'll see you on the finish line. No yeah, worries. yeah, you can come back out and cheer. <laughs> uh, it could all go horribly wrong, and we'll be coming in together. So. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to swoop you up on the way and car. Come on, Tim, run this last bit <laughs> nearly there <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can dry my tears yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we've just got um, uh, Maria on the live chat she says she always tapes her feet the day before mm. um, a long hike or a schemo day and that's so that the plant tape has plenty of time to adhere like yeah. um, and it can stay on for days if you cut off, yeah, cut off the corners use... as well cut off the corners yeah using tape, it can stay on for three to five days it's not a problem yeah. 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 Because then you don't have. Yeah. Then you're not sort of trying to faff around with it on the hillside. I think I might be trying to faff around on on the hillside because I haven't really. I don't really know where my shoes are going to rub me. But um, anyway, it's all training for the Lakeland Fifty. Anyway. Mm. Okay. Yeah. But thank you, Tim. It's been really good to chat to you today. I think lots right. of people have had some great answers to their questions. Yep. Um, and I just wish you all the best in your final preparation as well for the ETS 100. Yes, I'll be down there on Friday. Yeah. And yeah, I'll be staying over Friday night and Saturday night as well. So yeah, yeah I'll be there. I'll hopefully I'll be there as early as possible on Friday, like yeah. hopefully by lunchtime. So yeah. I'll drop you a text when I'm there, a message, yeah, yeah. and um, we might be able to meet up. I know quite a few of my patrons are doing it as well. Um, we've got Christian Poulton, I think he's watching as well now. Sean O'Keefe's doing it. Andrew Knox is doing it. Um, my friend Rosemary Bide, who I know from Advent Racing back in the day. Oh, yes, I know Rosemary. Yeah, yeah, and Carrie Karen, um, Caroline Karen, who is my Isle of Man friend. So I'm gonna hopefully message everyone for a bit of a team photo before we start. Um, yeah, then they can all go off, and I'll just be hiking behind at the back. <laughs> yeah, all good. Cool. Um, everyone says, uh, uh, good luck. Oh, today she wants to know about sun cream brands. P20 is great, I think. It's the best yeah, sports uh, one. Uh, and again, you can put that on you know, the night before and just let it all soak in. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it bonds so to your, your skin. Taping and things like that. So just kind of get the, get the sun cream on. Um, so it, they say, you know, P20's a, a good one. Um, you know, if you are doing a longer one in your drop bag, it might be worth carrying a, having a small, um, you know, small tube of sun cream. Um, so I've got a, I, I generally put a, a small tube in, which has got the, the sort of lip salve. So it's like sun cream, lip salve, and a small bit of sun cream in there. So if you, if you need to then just stick a bit extra on, you know, on your nose, on your cheeks, ears, things like that. Yeah, uh, you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Sean's recommended Pelotam as well for running and triathlon because it's waterproof yeah. and it um, doesn't come off with sweat. So yeah. yeah, but I find I find P20 is brilliant. I use it in Costa Rica and I didn't have to reapply all day. And I'm ginger, so that's a great exactly. advert for P20. I'm yeah. gonna go and get some from the shop today. <laughs> um, Hannah Bassi says good luck. Hope you're recovering well from your PB270, um, Hannah. Um, and Tadeusz says thanks for great advice as well. So yes. Um, oh, follow Tim on Instagram. Um, Tim HP3 Coaching. Book him for coaching. He's a great coach, as you can see. Um, he's been really kind today and giving us. Some 
so much amazing advice um, um, we chatted to Tim fairly recently so if your question hasn't been answered today just sign up on Patreon and you can ask Tim a question in future um, so yeah thank you very much Tim and I'll see you in a few days time yeah I'll see you uh, yeah, not this weekend coming the one after yeah, yeah see you next Week next after. Friday not this Friday but next Ah. Yeah, it's All exciting. Right. See you soon. Take care. Cool. Bye, Tim. See All you right. soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.